I think part of the joy of Next Generation for us is that we watched it as it was going, you know, it was a phenomenon in its time of, I mean, it's a TV show that ran for like nine seasons, right? 10 seasons. You don't get to do that unless you're, unless you've captivated the imagination of the population. I'm glad I had that recorded. <laughs> seven seasons. <laughs> hey, it's the Engineering Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Welcome back for another Hang in the Laboratory. Uh, possibly the second to last dish, at least in this format. 99. Last dish sounds like a German word, not... Anyway. we got uh, 99 podcast episodes. And? That comes up a lot in my my in, in where my professional life has gone recently. When I that, say, like, yeah, well, I recorded 100 episodes of this podcast, people look at me like... The only sustained project I've ever carried on that long is my children. Someone said <laughs> to me the other day. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair. And they, you can't uh, really, it's hard to stop that one. <clears throat> yeah, this has been a long project. Anyway, what are we talking about this week? Star Trek The Next Generation, obviously. Not any of the shit going on in the world. <laughs> of course not. We're not going to talk about that. Stay. Instead, we're going to talk about easily. Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> I could fill <laughs> an hour. No problem. We realized that somehow <laughs> in, in 100 episodes yet, we have we've we did one episode where we talked about Star Trek broadly versus Star Wars. Well, in, um, yeah. But we've never just hit Star Trek. And yeah, specifically never... The Next Generation, for which I have at least four pieces of memorabilia in this office. Possibly yeah, I've got a few. with the camera. There's a Borg. There's a Data. I have a Picard somewhere. Anyway, strong, strong, <laughs> strong, strong video chat background meme game. Is that an advanced Dungeons and Dragons manual player's manual I see behind you, sir? <laughs> there are a couple of them. Which version are you looking at? Edition, okay. excuse me. Wrong word. So uh, anyway, that's that feels like a lengthy way of of revealing a thing that anyone who is listening to this at this point doesn't need to know or doesn't doesn't need to be informed of newly <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh the next generation holds a beloved spot in both of our hearts i would say uh it was uh i don't attend conventions or anything but like yeah, you do we went to comic-con a ton yeah but That's not specifically for yeah i guess there generation. are trek conventions yeah I would guess they're small, though. You went to, like, the popular kids event as opposed to, like... Yeah, San Diego Comic-Con. I'm low... Yeah. I'm, it's, you know, the life of a generalist. I'm low-grade a lot of things. <laughs> Although we did we did start hitting Comic-Con before the superhero movies really took off and took everything yeah, over, right? I'd say so we, it was, we made it, it was one on or the two verge. years before it popped. Yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, they were out, but it was the early ones, and, like, everyone didn't know who Iron Man was yet. We saw the first of that sequence of Marvel movies chronologically, Captain America, Winter Soldier, during Comic-Con. We did? Uh, yeah, that's why I was in town. And so why would we go to a movie we when Comic-Con is here? We're such Cause losers. Because like, <laughs> in the evening, if you don't feel like going to see the big speaker, it's just kind of like... Because we didn't want to go to bars or anything like that, which was kind of what happens after all the parties start. You're confirming my judgment. We didn't want to go to a party. <laughs> So we went to see a comic book movie. <laughs> oh God, I hope I never have to go to a bar again. At a multiplex. Are all bars closed forever yet? 
I don't know. They're at least outdoors, which is refreshing. It makes such a difference. Our first <laughs> Iron Man movie was 2008. So we did go to Comic-Con before like the before these yeah, really before started. Really Cuz I think yeah. Iron Man was the transition. Yeah. Anyway, get the fuck out of here, Iron Man. We're talking about Picard and Riker Jean-Luc and Picard, Data man. and Worf and Troy. Man, they don't need suits. They have fully functional emotional robots. <laughs> now, well, not emotional at the beginning, but eventually emotional. His robot parts are on the inside. Yeah, so like, it's a funny thing to go back and rewatch because, like, do you in your memory remember the next generation in four three? Yeah, for sure. Square aspect ratio, and so I I remember being pleased that it was available in widescreen now. Right, (laughs) except they have to crop it funny. (laughs) So occasionally you're like, why is her? Why? Why? Why can't you see his eyes? Oh, was it not? It was not shot that way. And like, (laughs) no, it was shot. Yeah, it was shot video. So it's it's you know the original tapes like the aspect ratio is four three. They have to do trickery to make it. How would you even do that? You'd think you'd just constantly be cutting people's heads off. They just, you know, you figure it out. It's just a camera with a different <laughs> aspect ratio. It's eight by ten uh, camera, basically. Um, when when did it? Can you look it up? When did it start? Next generation, Star Trek eighty nine or something. Next generation. Uh, let's see. I feel like we have to start with the provenance of Star Trek, just really quick, like because uh, this is the next generation what was the first generation <laughs> right yeah right. it looks like we uh we kicked off in 87 okay so, this, so th- that's like was roughly yeah through 94 which is like prime imagination captivated ca- were, you know like were we watching that when we were that age or were we already watching it in syndication uh i know i was but i think it wasn't my parents watched it that's why I watched it. I know I didn't see the first couple seasons, I don't think. That's that's possible. For As me. a kid. I don't know. So um, I was watching from 6 to 13. Yeah, that that's right. I don't remember it. I like I don't, you don't like think about your age when you're that age, right? Right. It's right. not on your mind cuz <laughs> looming looming death is not there constantly. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um and so it was the it was essentially Hey, look this one up too. Uh, when did the original series movies start? Oh, probably just a few years before that, I would think. Because there's a bridge. There's a bridge between the 60s campy, like, kind of yeah. cult phenomenon thing that got canceled quickly because it was stupid. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, because the show, the show didn't uh, do very well. The show the didn't movies do well. Yeah. And I don't, right, that's right. not a value judgment that I hold, but that's why you cancel TV shows like that. That didn't work the way they needed it to so it got canceled um and that okay. show was very swashbuckling that was you know w- william shatner fighting like having fist fights with lizard aliens and yeah making out with green women so we've got <clears throat> the original motion picture which was for our listeners the original show's cast was 1979 which is interesting because okay. that's so Wait, when was Star Wars? Oh, interesting. Okay, so on the back of the success of Star Wars, they rebooted this other star property to make the original. Well, like star pretty Trek. damn close. They must have already been shooting this. Seventy-seven? No, they could have shot it 
So I think you're right. Star Wars was a success, so they immediately brought Star Trek back in. <clears throat> Interesting. Interesting. So that's when the rivalry really started, huh? Was the first movie. It's but yeah, I mean it's it's an ongoing Star Wars <laughs> sucks. Uh <laughs> I like all the stuff that's in it. I like the characters, <laughs> I like the spaceships, I actually like the setting. I think more. It's more interesting in some ways. It's like it's dirtier. But, but God, <laughs> they've done such a shitty job. Uh, <laughs> I know you disagree with this, but I, I just don't care on the Star Wars side. <laughs> it's just a different part of my brain that brings me joy in a in a in a completely different way. Uh, but I'll say, not necessarily because of those original movies. Like the original cast. Star Trek movies are all sort of equally swashbuckling action movies the way that the 60s series was. Uh, and, and, and it fits in the narrative in the right way. My love for Star Trek is entirely built on the next generation. I mean, it's fun to watch ships blow up. Like, uh, you know, I'm not yeah. stupid. <laughs> but well, like, I was... Star Wars is, is what it is. And it's good for ships blowing up and sword fights yeah. and the stuff we talked about in that episode, right? Yep. Um, well, I was thinking about this as I was falling asleep last night, um, like kind of what aspects of this we want to talk about. And the original show was kind of its own like transition thing. Campy is kind of the right term, right? There's like a swashbuckling, like Western stuff going on, even though it's kind of sci-fi. The movies, though, were action movies. After the first one, at least, they kind of they had an action thing going on. I mean, they were always mixing, but um, and certainly the new movies are extreme action right they're superhero movies essentially star trek the next generation was like a mystery drama with a little bit of weird humor sprinkled in right it was it was a mystery most of the time there was like something weird going on and you had to kind of solve it with science (laughs) right but like loose dramatic 90s tv science but they also like it 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 fits in the narrative, which is kind of where I'm going with this, right? Like the first wave of space exploration. Oh, this came up. This came up on another space show that you should check out. It's called Away on Netflix. It's a lot more like hard sci-fi. Mm. Um, but there's a point where somebody who's on a Mars mission, Mars mission, says like, you know, the, the first wave of space was conquering it. Like, just get out there and don't <clears throat> die, right? Tag the moon and come back. Cool. Uh, the next wave, though, is like you got to go for a long time. You got to get exposed to a bunch of radiation. Like it's an endurance project, and so the line there was something about, you know, this is this is this is not this is not a, you know, uh, we don't need conquerors anymore. We need endurance, you know, right? So can, right. So, like, and that's a very legit shift you got from William Shatner to Picard because after a bunch of fighting, everybody went, "Hey, what if we just cooperate instead?" And so the Enterprise, the flagship of the Federation of Planets, it went from being this sort of battle vessel to being this giant, expansive research vessel. And so they're just, you know, it doesn't mean they don't have action. Right. But like week to week, their thing was just more like, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an episodic sort of like drama and not, it, it's more like Law and Order. Right. house or something then, then it's you know well let's i want to clarify what you just said too because it's interesting the original star trek show and generally i think again how people think of the movies now which is where a lot of people have been exposed to them the ships are like military ships 
right? It's like our aircraft carriers, modern times, or our destroyers. Whereas the next generation was, and then some of the subsequent shows too, uh, the next generation ship, it was supposed to be the flagship for the Federation, which is like the the Earth-based uh, group plus anyway. And so the like the newest, most modern, most advanced ship was a science vessel. So it was like it was like a university had sent out a ship and it had the biggest aircraft carrier, but the aircraft carrier was built around studying health and uh, the planet and taking care of people and meeting new cultures, which in its defense is the military does a lot of that and has very large ships for that kind of stuff too. But um, it, it was a, does the prime directive ever come up in the original series? That was oh, a, interesting. That was the question. next generation fabrication, I think. Prime directive. I doubt it. That was like a rotten Roddenberry thing the whole time, right? Mm. I'm looking for the prime directive origin. This episode's gonna be a lot of editing. Are you prepared for that? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> now that we don't film... have a tight release schedule, uh, who cares? I got a the month. The first filmed reference of the prime directive occurs in the first seasons. First season. TOS episode, The Return of the Archons. The original series. Caution Captain Kirk when he proposes to destroy a computer controlling an entire civilization. Interesting. Typical okay. Kirk. Cool. Yeah, right. Fucking pirate. <laughs> he even had pirate boots for a season with like the cuff that goes over the top, I think. <laughs> uh, or maybe it was one of the movies. Uh, that's interesting though. Like the idea that it was sort of you know, laid out there that this thing that would become a running, you know, uh, like difficulty in the life of the crew occasionally, which is like, look, this civilization is about to implode and we're not allowed to give them the water filter they need, <laughs> like, which is very different from the other side of the coin where the prime directive is keeping Kirk from destroying things. Uh, Interesting. I've never heard this extra piece that's in at least in the Wikipedia article on it. The Prime Directive prohibits Starfleet personnel and spacecraft from interfering in the normal development of any society and mandates that any Starfleet vessel or crew member is expendable to prevent violation of this rule. Huh. That second part feels like an amendment <laughs> made to protect somebody who killed a lot of people. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. The Twelfth Amendment to the Prime Directive I mean, it's a joke, but that's government. Yeah. Our prime directive is the United States Constitution. It's a governing it's a governing body in the universe in the 23rd and 24th centuries. Okay, so uh, so it's a science vessel. 25th. You know, X number of seasons. You know, that that's kind of like the the pop culture space for the thing, right? Yeah, why they we, why do we why have we stuck with it for so long? Yeah, why do we like it so much? Unfortunately, you go back and you watch the old episodes and it's like it it does hold up better than some other older things. Partially gonna, because all the, the things are so broad, but also, you know, yeah. it's a shitty TV show from the late 80s. I'm going to throw a reference out <laughs> that is for Rosolio and may not be a proper reference, but I'm going to I'm going to go somewhere with it in a second. I have a feeling it's similar to the reason why Rosolio likes uh, Columbo so much. Columbo? Is that right? Is yes. that what I mean to say? Yes. <laughs> it sounded wrong after I said it. Um, the, the Star Trek The Next Generation is set 
the way it's the way the story is told and the way it's set is the core people, the core cast, the core story is based around like kind of like a utopia. That's not the right word for what it is because that's not it. But like they've eliminated poverty. Everyone's educated. People pursue things because they enjoy them. The pursuit of like science and logic and caring for other people. It's it's just universally adopted in society. Um, and I would say that's kind of true in Except our world. by the Klingons. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. So within the, within Starfleet, right, the, the group right. that's like the humans that are traveling and, and is most of our United Federation of Planets. So, so every nice. episode then is them encountering a group that's not the core people for the show having problems. Uh, that they can then get to go like apply this this like perfected culture to, <laughs> which, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I'm now realizing is uh, very uh, very colonial. But um, with the Prime Directive, that kind of fixes that. And then there's also episodes where they're dealing with their own humanity, like on the ship. Um, but it's all set inside of the concept of we're logical, we take care of each other. So like the core story always has this foundation that to me as a kid, I think I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Like that's what I'm told to do at church is like always take care, like sacrifice myself to help others um, to like think of things logically is how my parents presented things to me. And so I think the foundation of the show was just, it was kind of different than almost everything else. The, the the foundation of most other media is is intrinsically wrapped up in the problems, whereas I feel like Star Trek The Next Generation specifically put the problems outside the context of the core concept. Was that too much nonsense or was that kind of... No, I think it's an interesting... <laughs> I mean, and the reason when you bring up the staying power of sort of the nostalgia, whatever you want to call it, like it space like fiction broadly but ultimately science fiction in this context like it creates a context for you can just invent things right you can invent the teleport you can invent uh the the like replicator so everybody can eat um but also it provides that space where like you can make it about fighting or you have a broad enough context to introduce an alien race and say, okay, here's what happens when we run into this race that has this property and we feel racist, like <laughs> without saying this is about black people, right? Like it's the same, you end up with the same freedom in science fiction to just invent whatever you want. Right. And, and if people want to say, well, I think this race represents that you just go, I don't know, man, I'm just inventing races, but it doesn't mean you can't, tell those stories and right so it creates a, a step back context the same way that comedy does to to really like yeah and then there's interesting formal elements that just like they i think they're doing 24 episodes a season now which for anyone watches modern television like that's twice as much content in a year as the shows that tend to hang around now produce some mm -hmm. still do 24 episode schedule and they were doing like effects shots and stuff so like there are these mm -hmm. other burdens where the writing is not always even the most important thing. Right. And so when they, when somebody comes in and pitches an episode where they're like, it's going to be a courtroom drama, we're going to shoot the whole thing in a conference room. It's just going to be these people doing a stage play. <laughs> one of my favorite fucking episodes. Yeah. That's and they're in one room 
the whole time. It's just a play. And production loves that because they don't yeah. have a lot less work they have to do to, to, you know, get that into the schedule. That means they had a lot of special effects in the season finale that season. Right. Something like <laughs> a lot that. of money. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of Borg cube things. Um, anyway, anybody knows. What yeah. I'm you know, it's very what measure of a man. Is the name of that episode? Yeah. It's a very, uh, there are a lot of parallels actually to cop shows or at least like mystery kind of cop shows, right? There's, they also there's... had the holodeck. What a great device to also do whatever the hell you want. The holodeck just makes it so you can, like, let's just have this one be a Sherlock Holmes story. Straight up. <laughs> the outfits and everything. Well, that's what's so fun about <laughs> science fiction, is it it lets you literally do anything you want. I don't know why people can tolerate, I don't know how people tolerate being constricted by the reality of daily life in their media like i have to live that all day don't you want something else right. when you're i free? own a business <laughs> i deal with law and order f all day every day right like how on paper can you be <laughs> i get that there's depth and there's subtlety and there's an the infinite pageantry of life but like come on give me something else <laughs> once in a while <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think we've said anything that we haven't said before. In no, I know. Episodes. But the point is to, to aggregate it for the first <laughs> time ever. Uh, yeah. So it just like, you know, I mean, for me, it comes back to the extent to which the reason people care about it that much is because like that was there during a period in my life where I can quote at you an episode that still makes me teary that had this moral lesson in it that I'm also like, yeah, that. I'm going to show that to my children, no matter how much they complain about the shitty media that's not a hologram right. in VR, whatever. <laughs> like, that's a lasting piece of media, as far as I'm concerned, to, for a particular lesson that well, they all should win Emmys for forever. There were just some core <laughs> concepts in in that world, in that show in particular. But in I think it's Gene Roddenberry to thank for this, right? If you look up the history of the show, he's he was the rock that said, no, this show always has to be, or this, this world needs to be right. positive and optimistic. That right. was him all the time saying it needs to come back to that because that's my vision of the future. And I didn't realize it at the time. I wasn't like going around preaching about like the the value of logic and and the golden rule and shit from star trek but as i as i look at it as i'm older it that that universe just it just really speaks to me as to what i think broadly value should be and the the one and again i i'm sure i've told this 20 times on our podcast but who fucking cares could start a podcast and the <laughs> the one concept uh that really sticks with me as an adult is that the militaries on earth evolved into starfleet which i kind of make up to i think i embellish that as part of the story but uh at least there was always the contrast of we don't have military in the same way exactly right it, it has mostly become uh, a means to explore and to enrich our experiences and those of others like that it's told that way whether or not the evolution of it happened that way. And that one just really speaks to me in modern life, especially living in San Diego, which is a big military town. And I've had a lot of friends who have been in the military or are in the military here. And you just, you hear when they, when they 
get deployed, especially the Navy, which is different than some other branches, I feel like they're, they're often deployed for uh, humanitarian missions um, or at least like non like kind of solve yeah, a mystery, like the solve a problem. Ship that shows up help. in New York <laughs> to help with the pandemic is full of, you know, there's a crew on there, and they right, were and one of those ships in San Diego Harbor, that. I think, too. It's, yeah, it's just so, a, it's one of our medic ships. That's this gigantic ship that goes out to just help people. So why don't we reframe that stuff, <laughs> right? Why is every army ad helicopters blowing stuff up? I hate that. I, I mean, know I think sells that's stuff, but like. That's why I, I fall back on the meme of the United Federation of Planets so much. Like, we have tried these experiments as people. We have the United Nations, and something about it is, like, I mean, not something about it. If a major player like the U.S. doesn't take it seriously, it never works. And that's basically how we've treated the U.N. for the last 50 years, at least. Yeah. Do uh, you think that what we saw as value in the next generation is part of the transition that culture at large has seen in science fiction? Do you think the torch of like positivity and optimism is being carried forward? Uh, through science fiction? I think through like where things, the state of science fiction right now and it's, it's like prolificness in society. I think every narrative doesn't hold together like without hope. I mean, fundamentally, it's literally mm. called a new hope. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it's more like you know star wars Nerd is alert. through struggle and war because it's also literally called wars um that's true you know on the other side of that is the fundamental idea that our our superpower as a as a species is collaboration and like look the war is scarier so it's easier to look at but fundamentally like on a longer curve, we're doing pretty good for continuing to cooperate at a greater scale than the previous generation. Um, yeah, we've spent more time cooperating than at war. And maybe, and, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm watching Battle, I'm rewatching Battlestar Galactica to try to get uh, Emily into it. We'll see if that works. Uh, and, oh, you know, you know that's way darker. That. That's way philosophically darker. And that, you know, it has its own sort of science fiction standing, following, call it whatever. I am going to go to the bathroom real quick. I was coming back and I was putting on my robe after a visit to the bathroom. I thought, you know, there's not enough robes in Star Trek. And then I thought, no, the Vulcan High Council wears robes and that's enough. And Picard wears that weird short robe all the time, too, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're still we're still covered on robes in that universe. There's plenty of robes. Troy's in a robe all the time. Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it. the other thing about producing 24 hours of television a year for seven years is there's some stupid stuff. Um... And that cre creates the funny splits in the fandom that are, you know, sort of worth talking about. But I think they ultimately emerge from conversations around like, w w what's your favorite or least favorite? We can start with either one. What's your favorite next generation thing? 
My favorite thing? I mean, my head goes to the Borg, but that seems like a shitty answer. Um, well, that's because we live in the reality yeah. of the real Borg, which that's is the true. resistance against technology is and futile. Then my, yeah, Lesson and then my learned. Head, can't right. change it. It's futile. <laughs> Keep working. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very strong <laughs> argument. Um, then my head goes to the holodeck, which also feels like a shitty answer, probably because I have one in the garage. <laughs> right. Um, it, it also it just it's it's the same reason that it's like beloved that I referred to before is also a cop out. It's just a place to have a story that's a Star right. Trek story, but not a story and whatever. And it's you know, it's um, a narrative device on some level. If I I mean if I can be abstract, and actually this isn't a can I give an answer that's not exactly Star Trek: The Next Generation, but I think was inspired by the Next Generation because. It's from one of the original movies. Sure. I mean, Star I'll, Trek's... You'll I'll, allow it? Uh, I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> also, I'll just shut it down and bring it back if it ends up getting to the moral of the story. The, uh, mine are just stupid narrative things, comparatively. The <laughs> end of Star Trek Six, which I think is the best, maybe the best movie of all the movies. There have been like 30 movies. Mm-hmm. Um it's the original undiscovered the original country, cast, the undiscovered country. Yeah, it it is more like the next generation in story. There's a whole like Shakespeare thing going on in that one. Christopher Plummer plays. The, he's yep. one of my favorite star. There's a bunch of star mystery. There's solving mystery, but it's also interlayered with great adventure, but not adventure in a way that's unrealistic for like nerdy Star Trek characters, which was always weird when they like are tough and know karate. Um it's at the end of the episode or end of the the, the movie and they're supposed to take their ship home because they kind of like stole a ship or something to go save the world, save the universe. And uh, they pretend like their comms is busted and they can't hear the message or something. And then they're like waiting for Captain Kirk. Like, what's your order? Do we go home to be like decommissioned and, and court-martialed? And, uh, and he just casually says, I think... Uh, I don't know. Say you're heading second star to the right and straight on to morning, which I think is a Peter Pan quote. Yeah. Um, and the crew, it's just this like warm, fuzzy, like we did it and we're going to marinate in the success of like doing what was right at all cost. <laughs> Cause the original series has that like break the rules thing going on. Cause that's how captain Kirk works. Um, but it just, it's just, it's like literary and, still still points out how important history is and so, and references to our past and our culture right. even though they're 500 years in the future and it just is this like beautiful closing moment the is that the last one it's the last original show it's the last one before they started only yeah. them right okay so the other thing that's interesting, though, is I'm pretty sure timeline-wise, that came out mm-hmm. after The Next Generation had established pop culture success. They got to write yeah. a different Shakespearean-type thing where you can put, uh, you can have your character ride off into the sunset, and it's a fitting ending, For sure. and everybody's not going to be like, that's some Sopranos, I don't know what happened, and I'm unhappy. Bullshit, it was it was right? four it like, was released four four or five years after the next generation started 
So totally, it's like in. So it's that's in the how realm I would thread it into being okay to mention in the context of the next generation episode. <laughs> so that's why you're allowing it. It's it's Your influenced. <laughs> it's influenced by, uh, but no, I mean that's you know like it's it's a it's a you can see it at the, like at the end of music tracks, right? There's mm-hmm. all there's a deliberate choice you can make at the end of a track. Do you cut it or right. do you f- fade it out? Yep. And like, the cut is often more satisfying. Uh, but it doesn't have the same psychological effect as the song fades out. And you're like, maybe that jam goes forever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it's the same at the end of a thing where it's like, it's more fun to have them ride off into the sunset and who knows what they do. Make up your own story than it is to say, and everyone lived happily ever after. Here's your 30 years from now flashbacks of old whoever doing the thing. Like, I don't know. Anyway, that gets into interesting aspects of like, do we cheapen the original by working on new things like Picard? Answer <laughs> no, but fair point. Their <laughs> uh, human reaction. My, I think, less deep favorite thing is Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg. No one remembers that she was on she's that great. show as Guinan. And mm-hmm. just the idea of somebody that's like ambiguously maybe 800 years old, just and they've the station they've chosen in life is to hang out at the bar <laughs> and dispense like nuggets of philosophical wisdom. That's a great place to be, <laughs> what especially great, at that time, right? What a great character, you know. Uh, I'm going to go talk to Whoopi Goldberg about my problems, and she's going to dispense dispense sage wisdom. Well, it's a very it's a very uh, mature academic bar right it's not it's not like a rowdy spot very often it's 10 no, forward it's, it's more of like, yeah, a, it's cafe, like a jazz club or, yeah cafe <laughs> <laughs> right cafe at the front of the ship just sort of smooth jazz playing on yep. the pa system it's got a good view people are often playing like three-dimensional chess nice subdued but still bright enough that you could read lighting glow in the dark cocktails <laughs> a galaxy just flowing past in the background at a nice even pace. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg dropping truth bombs. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg dropping <laughs> truth bombs. Um, I'll give you my least favorite. Oh, because I fun. bet your least favorite will be deeper again anyway, and that'll probably be a good place to. Wrap I should up. roll it back. I always Fuck overdo Q. it. Uh, Q. Oh, interesting. Every episode where Q showed up, I I didn't want to watch anymore. Huh. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm out I of mean, here. he was meant to be uh, that annoying, too... right? Yeah, for sure. It's the purpose, right? But for me, it was so overdone that it just like when I'm if I am rewatching the show and he shows up, I just skip it. I well, I remember the episodes. But... Do you think he? I don't know anything about Gene Roddenberry's life, but it's Q's character strikes me as a knock at how boring the concept of like a uh, human embodied god is, right? It's like, really? That's the story you want to rally behind? Yeah. So first give me the like TLDR who, what Q, what Q are, I suppose I should say. Q, (laughs) Q was a creature that was just, could do anything, knew everything, could go anywhere, could play time, play with time, warp people places. He was not the only one. There were other cues, I think. He was, but he yeah, was God, it's basically. some like ethereal collective right. of intergalactic, interdimensional beings that can just kind of do whatever they want. So, you know, like true fantasy world magic, you know, yeah, like, like, right, just I snap my fingers and then infinite, everything infinite has changed. power, 
Time included, you know. Yet, he still would usually, like, the resolution of those episodes was Picard outwitting him with, like, logic and goodness, right? Right. Which really hammered home the part that we like so much about the show, which is, like, be rational, and you can even beat this God character. Yeah, I think the reason I don't like to watch is just the the he's so annoying. The portrayal he's so is annoying. He's so played so well. I think yeah, if that's to the credit of what he was going for. John Delancey, I believe, is the name of the actor, right? Uh, well, without without <laughs> Q, at least without the storyline yeah. of Q, we wouldn't have the thing that my mind went to first as my favorite thing, which is the Borg, right? Because uh, that was his his punishment for like card constantly outwitting him was screw you i'm going to send you to the far side of the galaxy where this thing the borg is so that it's exposed to you and that it comes so that it comes to get earth which then comes back like many seasons later the borg make it across the whole galaxy to come consume earth and turn everyone into cell phones or sorry i mean borgs cell phones that's <laughs> it is what it is they're just cell phones Apple they, just, watches. they just have a wireless connection to the borg ship and it's just <laughs> They share all their videos with each other. Um, (laughs) Like they're literally scenes where you can like see the selfie shots from the other Borgs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't need the Borg to implode us. We're we'll do it ourselves. Um, what's your least favorite? My least favorite thing, um, other than like the first, like the production quality of the first season. Um, my least favorite thing, gosh, that's a good question. Honestly, there's not, there's not like one thing jumping to mind. Um, maybe it's the episode, it's maybe it's the episodes where they try to be too, uh, action oriented because the cast was just not chosen for that for the most part. And so like every time there's, uh, like action based stuff. It feels like you took a cast that was not physically equipped to be active to do the right, scene. You stage trained a bunch of theater actors. Totally. And it's good enough for a play. But... That's a great way to put it. That's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. It looks like all, all of a sudden you go from a show that's like people at an office and the office happens to be a starship to theater actors on stage who you gave a sword to like last week. Right. Right. <laughs> to do a theater staged sword fight, which is cutesy in a way and fun but the adventure episodes um you like the movies though right the movies are all very adventure based well movies have to kind of do the whole thing yeah they have to be right right that's what you're in for for a movie but the i just the mysteries and i mean there were such bizarre episodes of the show right there were i mean every episode just had such strange things happen in it because it, it really was pretty deep sci-fi right you pick pick a made-up sci-fi concept and there was an episode about it people flying people being invisible people being able to walk through matter um mind reading spell casting like all kinds of crazy shit so um i don't feel like i've given an adequate answer for the thing i i my least favorite thing do you know my least favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a fair answer. I mean, you talked about production quality, but the reality is like it, 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 it um, 
you know, I was I was gonna say a thing. Here's what I'm gonna say, and then I'll give you the counter argument right away. Uh, I was gonna say like it 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 cheapens the aspect of like, um, you got to do the big violent version that we can do now of someone getting shot, or else it cheapens the fact that like people shouldn't get shot. It's a very unpleasant thing. Yeah, that should be I'm, a baseline understanding, that. right? Yeah, and so. Certainly, That's a great even point. it doesn't age well when it's just like little blast, little thing, and then somebody's dead, right? The counter argument, though, is like people are still upset about Tashiar's death. Yeah, that one, that one hit, that one I, hit different. I, I kept picturing that that blob of oil that got <laughs> right. her. Right, but also that's least was sort of fundamentally weirder as a way to die, get consumed by a you know a local organism in slow motion. It's very different from phaser battles that yeah. just seem stupid. That was a very <laughs> yeah. original series way to go. Um, okay, I think there's a way to wrap up here with a... Uh, Did we do a whole episode already? With a baited question, in a sense. Bait me. Um, who do you think is the most beloved character, more broadly, sort of uh, out of the general fandom? From the next generation. The most beloved character? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of anyone other than Picard. Data? Data. I think Data Data is the answer to that question. Data's pretty loved. Uh, Picard's pretty great, though. And that's my argument for watching Picard. (laughs) The show. (laughs) I thought they dealt with Data really well in that. Well, uh, the whole the Picard show is about honoring Data because he was the most beloved, right? Exactly. That's I mean, the whole. That's, that's the that's whole concept. Feel, that's that's how I felt <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> I mean, all the things Why? I was about to say are all the things they say like, about Data all the time, like his so pursuit of humanity. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about right. both of those because I think they both get us to the thing we like. The yeah. reason this becomes a prescient conversation in a time when we're both embarrassed about the state of political discourse <laughs> on what we hope is the road to this future, right? Like you really uh, have become a fantastic producer of this podcast. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of 15 years of experience. Um, you know, Picard is an effective, articulate, principled, empathetic statesman. Right. Fuck. I could go for some of those right now. <laughs> well, he's he sucks though as an as an icon in a way because if you're not that, you can see how frustrating he'd be, which represents the current state of the Democratic Party, right? I think a lot of people who hate on Democrats recognize, hey, that's that that there's a lot of goodness there, but I'm not that, and it's fucking frustrating. I didn't get I didn't get to go to college or get a master's degree and go be an attorney in D.C. and travel the world, right? Right. And I'm not as articulate as them. And you're it's irritating and it's fucking annoying. And they talk down to everyone and tell everyone how sick and poor they are. So he's he's already that. So, like, I can see how frustrating that is. Whereas data. I was going to let you take. Well, over I would there. say <laughs> when it comes to Picard, the his access to that position is supported by the broader narrative that both of us talked for the last 40 minutes or whatever this ends up being in the edit amount of like conversation. 
anyone in a universe that's e- as as ideally egalitarian as the Star Trek universe, anybody could be that captain if they had the chops. Um, at least I think that's narratively consistent. That's the message. So that they... fixes that aspect of politics. But ultimately, like I think the reason data is more compelling to me is because he's a look at an effort to solve this stuff with technology at the furthest reaches of like, what does it mean to be a human being? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Picard is a, a worthy statesman and I, I attribute, you know, I, I, I uh, aspire to all of those values. Um, the more exciting exploration for me, at least that will be clear to anyone that's listening to this podcast is the stuff data is constantly trying to figure out. Because he has arcs in shows that are just kind of throwaway things, but they're actually mm-hmm. really deep. You know, like they'll have a C storyline in an episode where like Data's also cruising around the ship trying to understand what a joke is. Totally. You, you tell me what a joke is. <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where my head went too. Because I always <laughs> I, I always wonder how they chose that as the thing that he couldn't understand. And I I do respect it, right? Because that does that is a com- that's a very complex thing. And it's it's based on like your experience, right? One person finds something funny that's very different than another person, but then there also are broadly applied like rules to comedy. And there's so many good like as you rewatch it and watch uh 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 Brett Spiner, is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah, uh, or Brent? Brett? I don't Brent, know. Brent Spiner, I think. Um yes. like commit to and execute on these throwaway storylines some i mean sometimes they're a big deal like as people fell in love with data he he got more and more screen time but there's also just great scenes of him playing poker and going why would Mm -hmm. you do that and they're just (laughs) like well we have to explain this arbitrary game of pieces of paper and chits of whatever like (laughs) to this right this baby essentially (laughs) it's like (laughs) oh interesting that's what a smile is for like you get to tell all the Terminator two jokes for all time on the back of this character while at right. the same time having him go on this journey. That's fundamentally about like, well, that's because we want to be good people data. Well, what does it mean to be a good person? <laughs> like here's some Sesame street bullshit for you, but it's necessary. Right. Uh, and I mean, and, that was, that's like, what re- data is. What really <laughs> it's interesting. You bring it up. Data is what really allowed the show to constantly hammer home like the pursuit of being a good person, right? Because they always, they just always said it blatantly with Data. And in, in the new series, Picard, the TV show, I think he says it just outright, right? He's like, Data always reminded us that we can and should strive to be better, right? We can always be better humans. And he would ask those questions that would, he, he asked as like, as like a respected member of your crew, of your team, someone who's there as an adult, also had the same questions constantly that a kid asks you that makes you like question your humanity. And I think is, and what I'm expecting is what makes parents say, Oh my God, having kids is so life changing because they ask those questions without all the bias of your bullshit experience. Thanks for coming. Answer, sir. What? (laughs) Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. No, I like, I mean, that's right. And so the, (laughs) But the idea of a show being able to build in that fundamental thing in a way that doesn't make everybody like think about the, like where do you find a, a place to tackle that narrative challenge 
without it being somehow demeaning to the person in the interaction, right? Because if your job mm. is to ask stupid questions, fundamentally, right. if you give that, somebody any realistic reason to ask that question, then the audience goes, oh, what are they, stupid? Yeah, and that's interesting right? too because- You're supposed to be a grown-up. You're supposed to understand right. jokes and, and, and responsibilities and values and virtues and- Well, it speaks something. to another, another component <laughs> of what I think can be improved in our world, which is the idea that we're not just supposed to be growing and expanding and learning and changing as children- which is where that narrative is carried out almost everywhere else, right? It's a parent telling a child how to behave. Whereas this, right. again, data isn't did equal it. to We're everyone. We're grown-ups here is what I said. <laughs> right. Data is an equal. He is another adult. He is a officer on the most advanced spaceship of the time. And yet the crew still gets to discuss with him what it means to be a human and to care for other humans and to uh, explore knowledge and humor and all these characteristics that make life interesting and meaningful. And so it gets you as a as an audience in a way that nothing else does. When a parent corrects a child in a TV show, you tune out. You're the you're the adult in that. You're the parent correcting the child. But in Star Trek with Data, you get to be both. You get to you get to share that, and you get to learn it. So it, it's really good. You really, you really, you nailed it. That's my favorite thing about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, you know, like literally, as I as I track back in my mind, literally off the top of my head, I did not prepare this. If you look back, I would like I I I'd be interested to see if we have done episodes on almost every sort of fundamental lesson that data learns throughout the series. Because <laughs> uh, I can think about like, you know, he learned, he was learning to play violin or whatever. Right. And there's mm -hmm. whole like interactions where somebody's like, you need to be a little more loose with it. And he's sort of like loose, but I can play every note with perfect fidelity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you don't want to be, there's whole episodes of Riker trying to explain jazz Right. To, to, you know, we have done episodes like that where we're like talking about learning music, making music, uh, how squishy and human it is. Um, so I can't say it's a surprise that data is our spirit animal. We learned a lot from you, Brent Spiner. Thank you for your contribution. And in that, on, and, and on that level, <laughs> I enjoyed Picard. I'm looking forward to the next season. Yeah. Yeah. Picard's um, like where you want to go. And Data is who you are. Well, all the characters. There were a lot of redeeming characters on that show. That's also nice. That's why I kind of like, that's the other thing about the West. I, I'd love to see streaming data on the West Wing. Like if people are seeking a fantasy where there's a competent. Oh, they uh, are. Articulate president. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least in, in, I mean, at least in certain demographics. Uh, I can confirm. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thanks for hanging out for another one. Uh, if you're here at episode 99, you probably thought that was a pretty good jam. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm Adam. Um, Brian. Keep your heading true. <laughs> engage. Make it so. So many good ones. You could Make it engaged. I was going to point out, we didn't mention transporters once. Imagine if you could just blink wherever you wanted to go. <laughs> oh my god, transporters would be so helpful. Uh, I guess that's what VR is, right? Uh, so